Welcome to The Anonymous Bartender, a podcast for the battle-weary bartenders and servers looking for that shared experience. Welcome back to another episode of The Anonymous Bartender. I want to first start out with the usual, hey, check us out on Facebook and Instagram. You can go to The Anonymous Bartender. You can also share your stories with us by contacting us through anonymousbarstories at gmail.com. The great thing about podcasting and the app that I'm using, which is called Anchor, um, is that I can do Skype and phone call interviews. So if you want to be on this, we can totally do it over the phone. You don't even have to travel and see me in person if you don't want to. Here soon, I am going to start traveling uh, to collect interviews. So somebody please chime in. Let me know if you want me to go to a certain place, a certain bar, or talk to a certain bartender. I want to collect every story that I can. doesn't matter if it's long or short, funny, sad, whatever. Bartending is a little bit of everything, so we should all have these everything type stories. I was super lucky to sit down recently with Bjarni, who was eager to hop on the podcast when I posted about it in Memphis. From the moment that we sat down, I knew it was going to be super fun and easy to go about because Bjarni just has this way about him. He's very approachable. He's super confident in what he does, and he should be. He's been in the industry a long time, and he's got great advice for anybody who wants to ask him. I really enjoyed it. He is going to be that bartender that when you get in there, if you want to talk for a while, he'll sit there and he'll talk with you. If you just want to drink and you want to be left alone, he's going to read that too. You don't have to really say anything to him. He just knows. So if you're ever in Memphis, make sure you go by Max's. It's on South Main. Great food, great people. Love the bartending staff there. Also love the back patio. And definitely go and see Bjarni. He's there quite a bit and he's just super fun to be around. So the title of this podcast is Breaking the Cardinal Rule. We all have these unspoken do's and don'ts of bartending. And in my interview with Bjarni, I got to hear how he challenged a major cardinal rule. So I could sit here and describe it to you, or you could hear it firsthand from him. So check it out for yourself. Cheers. Today I'm super excited. I am sitting outside in Memphis. The weather is gorgeous. And I'm sitting here with Bjarni. How are you today? I'm doing excellent. Thank you. Yeah, thanks for sitting down with me. I know ours. So your initial thoughts when I um, posted about the anonymous bartender, what do you think about doing a show like this? Well, I got I got pretty excited because I know like there's a lot of stories to be had and a lot of fun stories and a lot of negative stories too that go behind uh, the business. And uh, I just thought it'd be something interesting that I don't really like to share my stories a whole lot. And you know, I don't have a I have a few of them and. Uh, you know, I, but I do have one that's pretty good, and I figured, you know, and most people in Memphis know about it, and maybe a few more people would like to know. I've, I've heard tell the story, and we'll definitely uh, get into that as we go. How long have you been in, like, the service industry? Like, uh, my first job, I was 14. I was uh, I made desserts for a restaurant called Emmeline and Hesse's. Uh, it, was a, uh, it, was on a, it was on a marina. I grew up on a small island in Georgia called St. Simons, and uh, that was my first job, and... Uh, I've just been doing it ever since, and I've kind of progressed and worked my way through it, and I've never been one to, uh, I didn't go to college, so like for me, you know, I like to travel a lot, so when I was younger, that's what I did. I got out and traveled, and, and you know, working in restaurants and stuff like that, and you know, bars was my way of making money and being able to do the things I wanted to do. Yeah, service industry allows that, because you have that freedom of a schedule, right. like for the most part, depending on where you work and what you do, but yeah. that, that definitely allows for it. That's what I think I've loved about it, is being able to travel and do that sort of stuff. And I've met so many like random people along the way that I never would have met unless I did it as a service industry person. Yeah, I think meeting, I've, I've met a, a lot of good people, and that's been a positive. And, uh, you know, I've, 
it's just right for me you know i i've thought about going back to school and, and i realized like i really don't need to i was like i've i've you know found a niche and i'm just gonna stick with it and try to keep building on it yeah so. for, for sure so you obviously started out like you said making desserts and you just worked your way up did you want to get to bartending or was it something like it just kind of that natural progression um i think it was a little bit of both you know i was as i worked my way through like the back of the house i you know i started working um on the line and, and doing a lot of cooking stuff and and that's when i kind of saw that you know there was more money to be made in the front of the house and there was more experiences to be had and, and people to meet and just an overall different uh ball game i think what i mean pretty basic question but what's your favorite and least favorite part about bar- bartending i'll go ahead and give you my least favorite part about bartending is uh, I think it's kind of annoying when people come in and they see how busy you are and you acknowledge them and see them, but they still continue to yell your name. And like, if I stopped every time you yelled, if somebody was yelling my name, if I stopped what I was doing to see what you wanted, I would never get anything done. So mm-hmm. that's kind of one of my least favorite parts of bartending. I would have to say like the, the dollar waivers for me who will sit down there, like <laughs> I've seen you and they sit there with their elbow out and they're right. like, Hey, look, here's my money. Like acknowledge me. It's like, I'm going to get to you. If I'm 60, <laughs> I'm going to, I'm going to eventually get to you. Get to you. Just, yeah wait i need you to wait that's that's usually my biggest pet peeve yeah we have a we have a guy uh, that whenever his drink gets empty he'll rattle his glass on the bar and that's kind of another thing that's like one of my annoying least favorite things about like bartending because i know your drink is empty i'm gonna get to you i'll, I'll get there yeah. but yeah rattling your glass doesn't fill it any faster right, it doesn't exactly. magically do anything except annoy all of us yeah so i would say it's just people yelling my name when they know you know that i know they're there it's probably one of the least favorite things uh yeah all right, well, what's your favorite, like, cocktail or drink that you like to make? Um, right now, um, Old Fashions. I really like to make Old Fashions. The whiskey seems really awesome right now. This everything that's kind of available to us in Memphis from the distributors. Right. We have, yeah, Memphis has been allocated a lot of uh, new whiskeys and different whiskeys. And um, the, I think the Old Fashioned has probably been one of my go-tos and always will be. You know, it's it's a, it's not, it's not a time-consuming drink like people think. Um because any drink can be time consuming. It just depends on how you manage your time, I believe. And, uh, but yeah, I, I, I'm a big fan of bourbon. So, you know, with the fruit and the, you know, the bitters and mm-hmm. it is, I think it's probably one of my favorite cocktails to make. I, I really like them. I love to drink them. I will admit that no matter how many times I make one, I never make it the same way twice. Right. Um, I just, I don't know why I just can never achieve it, but, um, it's a really easy one that you can screw up too. I've had so many bad old fashions. Right. <laughs> yeah, so I, I, I think I think a lot of you know perception of what goes of how the Manhattan is. Or I mean, the the old fashioned is made is, you know, everybody's got their own you know kind of version. But you know, there really is kind of really true one way to do it, and it's not the muddling the fruit. Well, it's the muddling of the fruit, but it's, you know, you just don't throw all the fruit and all that stuff into one glass and go, you know, here's a drink. Yeah, you know, no, it's got to be strained. It's got to be filtered, and it's, yeah, it's, so. I mean, it's got steps to it, and that's what a lot of people miss. And then a lot of times, I get one that's just it's pure sugar. Right. It's like sugar does not make it any better. It's it's there as as a helper, but don't please God don't overload it. Yeah, I think I think a uh, well balanced cocktail is the key for a uh, cocktail to, to taste how it's supposed to taste. Like you have to well balance it, but you can't have too much of, of anything. Mm-hmm. You know, it's all gonna be well balanced out. Yeah, it's definitely one of those. So I've heard a lot of tell people have asked me over and over that I need to hear about this vodka story. <laughs> so that like just that that's like the top of the, the rank, I guess, for what I've heard about you and for right. it. Yeah, I mean Memphis. A lot of people in Memphis know about it. Um, 
I mean, if you want, I can I can give you kind of the, the rundown. I'm not the greatest storyteller, but <laughs> maybe, I, I would love I would love to hear about if it. You want to hear about it? <laughs> All right. So, um, you know, I used to work at Molly Fontaine Lounge, um, and that is owned by Karen Carrier, and she kind of gave me my first start in bartending at Automatic Slims when she okay. used to own it, and. Uh, so I worked for her for almost five years, and uh, Molly Fontaine's was my last stint with her, um, because of the, the because of the story I'm about to tell. But uh, so it was Saturday night, and uh, you know I'm I'm behind the bar, and you know we're busy, and you know I just met this girl, and I was kind of on this high, and you know, and I was she was there at the time, and you know, and I was definitely on some kind of crazy high, I guess, and. Uh, so I'm working and I'm making drinks for people and people are ordering shots and I'm making them shots and they're, you know, they're kind of, you know, hey, you want to do a shot too? And I'm like, okay, so, you know, I've had a couple shots. And so this girl's sitting at the bar and they call her from, I didn't notice at the time, but after the fact, I learned that her name was, her nickname was Drunk Alice. So, <laughs> that's, that's never a good thing. Like right. when you learn that your first nickname is Drunk Alice. So yeah, so her nickname, like I found this out after the fact, her nickname was Drunk Alice. And uh, so she's sitting at the bar and she's sitting there for a couple hours and she keeps complaining that her drink's not strong enough. Well, you know, I, I, I'm not one to pour a weak drink. You ask anybody, <laughs> dude, they'll tell you. I don't, we don't, I don't measure, I don't, you know, when it comes to just making a, 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 a regular old cocktail, you know, like a vodka's, uh, cranberries that's what she was drinking like I'll just yeah. you know I'll freeboard and, yeah, it's you know, hard. and it's it's not gonna be skimpy so she's sitting at the bar she's complaining that you know her drink's not strong enough and I, I hear it but I'm, I'm ignoring it and people are buying shots and she's like how come where's my free shot at and I'm like look these people are buying they're paying for the shots I was like I don't know what you're thinking but these people are paying for the shots she goes oh my drink's not strong enough I was like well, order a double so this goes on for a few hours and finally, it's just, I don't know, I guess it finally just got under my skin, and I, I, and I just, I guess I just overreacted, and I snapped, and I, and I would never recommend anybody to do this, and this is not professional, but I, she was sitting across the bar, and I was at the rail, and I, so I grabbed the bottle of vodka, and I, I said, you want some more vodka in your drink? I was like, here you go. So I took the bottle of vodka, and I just started pouring it on her head. <laughs> so, so I, so I sat there, and I probably poured about, I probably poured about three or four drinks on her head. And oh, no. the look on her face was priceless, dude. She did not know what to say. She didn't say anything. She was just, like, in shock and awe. She was just taken aback. And that's when I, I stopped pouring it on her head, and I realized that, like, I I messed up. And I was like, oh, my God. I was like, what did I just do? I was like, I just broke the cardinal rule of being a bartender. You don't ever, like, do that. Yeah, you don't you do cro- that. You crossed the bar. You I, went into their territory. Yeah. I crossed the bar. I went into the territory. But at the same time, it felt really good. Like, I was like, wow, I just did that. I was like, I'm probably about to get fired. <laughs> Yeah, so, and Karen, yeah. So, so she sat there, and she really didn't say much, but it was her friends. Her friends got up from the bar, and they went and got the manager. And at that time, he's still the manager over there, Doug. Uh, came around, you know, he came came behind the bar, and he's like, did you just pour vodka over that girl? And I was like, yes, I did. I and he's like, get the fuck out from behind the bar. He's like, get out from behind the bar. He's like, you're done. He's like, he's like, go ahead. He's like, go home. He's like, call me on Monday. I was like, all right. So I messed up, you know, and I... I went home and, you know, I sat there and I thought about it. I was like, man, I was like, I definitely probably just lost my job. And sure enough, you know, like I talked to Doug on Monday and he's like, well, I got to, I got to talk to Karen and see what Karen says. And he's like, we'll get back to you. And it took him almost a week to get back to me. So I, I know they were like really, you know, contemplating whether they want to get rid of me, but they knew that if they didn't get rid of me, like then that would just open the door for everybody else to do what they wanted to do. Yeah. And, uh, you know, and so, so yeah, so that was my last stint with Karen, and, you know, to this day, I, you know, I will never regret it. 
Like, I felt bad about it, but I will never regret what I did. And to this day, like, I've had, like, the next job I had was a better job, and it was a management position at the Madison Hotel. And mm-hmm. from then on, man, I've just I've pro- pro- progressed into having better jobs, and I'm so happy I've wor- I'm working at Max's now. And so. I, I think we all have to have that snap moment, though, where we kind of learn from ourselves, because I know I've had a couple of them, and I would thankfully, like, I used to work in a bar where you'd have a cooler, that, and that's where all of our beer was stored right behind us, so I would just walk into that cooler and scream my head off, because I'd want right. to go across the bar sometimes. Yeah. It's the dollar waivers, it's the people who shake their glass, and, and definitely one that bugs me, I used to work in a college bar, and they like, my Long Island's not strong enough. Your Long Island is nothing but booze. Like, right. I can't make this any stronger yeah, it's not for you. Stronger. It's all booze with an afterthought of like Coke and maybe some sour. Right. I would just like, I don't know what you want me to do, and they would just, constantly complain and I've I've had a girl who would follow me she would follow me as I would go up and down the bar and walk she's like my drink's still not strong enough not strong enough like hey so yeah order double like figure it out or like or maybe if it's being an alcoholic so yeah not one of my not one of my you know proudest moments not one of my my uh best moments but uh definitely I definitely would say you know a lot of people in Memphis know the story and it's definitely kind of made me like a kind of like a bar hero because everybody's at one point in their life has wanted to do that but just never had the the guts or the you know the the hey the out I don't know what the outcome's gonna be of of what's gonna happen if I do this so I better not do it yeah I mean definitely we all want to do it (laughs) I mean I've always been kind of a kind of a uh, you know outlawish kind of you know not follow the rules kind of person you know yeah I mean is there anything else you can think of that really sticks for you like for bartending like if you sit down and you, you retire in 20 years is there something that will stick in your mind that, that you're really uh, glad that you bartended uh, the hookups that I've gotten from bartending <laughs> <laughs> I've met a, many of many of women bartending and I've I've got a few stories you know about about that um, but yeah I would say that and uh, just the, the satisfaction man of just taking care of the room and, and you know, giving people what they want and, you know, being able to read people and, and accommodate them, you know, so that's, I think that's a big deal too. Yeah, there's, I always ask these people or whoever I'm talking to about that, that high you get behind a bar. Right. Like when you get into that rhythm and you don't need anybody's help, but suddenly like that, all you can see are people. Do right. You, and they're all looking like at you. Yeah. They're looking at you and they want something from you. And when you can run down that bar and have everybody's three quarters done, there's just that high that you right. get. Right? Oh, you definitely get that high. Like I know the feeling and I, I get it here all the time. We get really busy here and, and Max's and, uh, so yeah, you definitely at the end of the day, you, you know, you, you've got this rush and you've got this high and it's, it's a good feeling, you know, mm-hmm. and I, I know exactly, you know, what other people go through too when they, you know, they get the same feeling, so. Yeah, and then, yeah, it's that high, and then there's those opposite days where you have just such a shitty day, and right. so you're like, I don't even remember how to make a Jack and Coke. Like, what right. am I going to do? And then she was like the product of a hangover. Right, yeah, pretty but. much. I have a couple of sad stories. I mean, I, I tell you about, like, when I was uh, working at Automatic Slims, I, uh, I witnessed a guy jump off the top story of the Peabody roof, kill himself. I see um, you were there. I've... People have told me about that. Like it was, that, that so it was. Uh, I was working the day shift. It was my birthday, and uh, like I'll never forget it. it. It always stick in my head, and uh, it was just something really sad. You know, I I never would take my own life or believe in that. That's the answer to anything. But to see this guy, you know, falling down, you know, from the top of the, the hotel, from the top of the Peabody Hotel, like it just really, it put a weird perspective in my mind, and like it really, it kind of messed me up for a couple of weeks. Like I. Oh, to see something like that, you know, just to 
witnessed something like that. It definitely took a toll on me for a second. And uh, Yeah, well, you don't want to look up from a bar, and then that's what you see. Hey, I'm out there smoking a cigarette, you know, and I see this guy jump off the, you know, and I, you know, when I hear him hit the ground, like, I know oh, he's, God. like, yeah, I know he's dead, you know, and so it's, so, you know, not to be, like, negative or, you know, but, you know, not sure a positive story, but I figure, you know, with the good comes the bad, so. We, yeah, we've, we've seen everything. Yeah. Like, I've. I've seen divorces get put together at bars. I've, you know, fights. Seen people get married up. at bars. I, I have, uh, <laughs> I won't say any names, but I have uh, two regulars that used to come see me at Automatic Slims for brunch, and uh, their child was conceived in the bathroom at Automatic Slims. <laughs> so, there's that. I'm sure, I'm sure plenty of children have been conceived in, in bar bathrooms. <laughs> right. Yeah, so, I mean, like I said, I won't mention any names, but... Uh, <laughs> But yeah, I mean, they're, they they kind of, like, when I see them, they're, you know, when I see them to this day, they're like, you know, they kind of, they laugh, and they, you know, they kind of give me, like, a high five. I'm like, if it wasn't for you getting this drunk on mimosas, we probably wouldn't have this beautiful child now. So, <laughs> so I feel like I've, I've been the product of uh, helping people, you know, hook up, helping people get divorced, uh, helping people get back together. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, I think that's the best part about being a bartender is we're we're at every stage of someone's right. Someone's yeah, you never know you never day. know what somebody's going through, and they come and people come to the bar because they want somebody to listen, or they or maybe they don't want to you know talk to you. But either way, they're there, and how you perceive them and how you interact with them is going to affect whether they're coming back or whether they're going to like you or you know. And I I believe that if you treat everybody you know like somebody special, like even if you don't really care for them or if you just treat them how they want to be treated, they will come back and see you, no matter if it's a slow day or a busy day. You know? Yeah, I definitely agree. It's, as long as, for me, I will go the mile for anybody, even if they don't tip me. Although I'd prefer if they tip. If Tipping's the nice, work, but, you, you, know, you, but you know, when, you get, when you're in this business so long, you've, you realize that with the good comes the bad. And yeah. if you sit there and let every negative tip affect you, you're not gonna you're not gonna do your job in a positive light, and you're not gonna make any money because people are gonna see that. Yeah, you know? yeah, that's that's one. You thing can't dwell you can't on carry. it. Yeah, you can't carry. You got you get a bad tip. Oh well, you got to move on. You know, you can't be like, oh, they gave me a bad tip. Now I'm gonna treat everybody else like shit. No, that's not how it works. No, yeah. I, and I, I see that it happens a lot. You know, and I know bartenders to this day that are like that. And I, you know, I, if I can sit down with them and say, hey, if you just lose that attitude and know that with that zero dollar tip might come a twenty dollar tip on fifty dollars if you just treat people how they want to be treated you know and, and, and make them feel like they're appreciated you know i think it's there's got to be that that self-fulfillment too like even if you still get that shitty tip and you did everything you could like you at least tried right you can't go back and look and say well because i treated you shitty i still sort of got a tip that's right. not how it works that's not how it works yeah. yeah no it's it's definitely we put a lot of ourselves into this industry and you and we're exhausted for a reason by the end of the night right because we have to put so much effort into it and I, I wish kind of more customers would understand that sometimes, and right. there are there are the ones who are compassionate. I I love the ones who are like, yeah, I remember when I used to wait tables. Right, yeah, they're the best. Like I think I think this should be a requisite. If you're gonna go out to, to a bar or dinner, like you should have to work like one year in hospitality or something, just so you know, like what goes on and you know and the level of like what's expected and you know how to take care of somebody. You know. Yeah. No, I, I agree with that. Everybody should have to work one-year industry, or they should have to start in, like, the crappy place. They have, Everybody should have to start as a host or a Stop dishwasher. Yeah, I, I started man. as a dishwasher. Right. Like, I have a huge appreciation for the back of my house because yeah. they do so much crap, and I know they want to kill me when I screw up, and I'm like, hey, I forgot this <laughs> order of fries or something. Right. Like, well, you know, I've, I've, been, I've, I've had a few management jobs, too, and, like, I can do it all. Like I get back there and I'll I'll get back there and cook on the line with you. I'll get back there and wash the dishes if it has to be done. 
just because you know that's what makes the you know the Mexico's business go around. Yeah, it definitely is. So, well, I want to thank you for kind of sitting down with me and just kind of tell me, you know, your side of the world and what you've seen from behind the bar. Um, again, if anybody wants to hop on the bo- podcast or comment on this, you can email me at anonymousbarstories at gmail.com. You can catch us on anchor.fm at The Anonymous Bartender. And then you can also jump on Facebook and Instagram, like the page and see more content and more interviews will be coming up as we go along. So thanks again for joining me, Gary. You're welcome. Thanks for having me.